Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Join Tom on a journey of action-packed adventure. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. The old lady pulled her spectacles down and looked over them about the room. Then she put them up and looked out under them. She seldom or never looked through them for a so small a thing as a boy. <laughs> they were her state pair, the pride of her heart, and were built for style, not service. She could have seen them through a pair of stove lids just as well. She looked perplexed for a moment and then said, not fiercely, but still loud enough for the furniture to hear. And that is the first chapter of uh, Tom Sawyer, the book by Mark Twain. Twain gang. Did that end on like she said and then not finishing what she said? I think it was like a a she said like to end a sentence. Okay. You know. I, I guess I, I guess I drifted out of that for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure like what uh like what that means either at the end though like loud enough for the furniture to hear, but you know furniture doesn't have ears, so I guess that's like you know crazy book talk. Yeah, yeah literature is bullshit. <laughs> but really though, what is the appeal of these games? Is the appeal of games like this and Doctor Jackal and Mister Hyde supposed to like beat a fool parents into thinking that like now their kids can experience? acclaimed literature like the in a new format like do they think that they're just getting the spark notes video game version that's sort of what i'm getting the feel for like i you know for some reason uh tom sawyer and huck finn was not a part of our syllabus in middle or high school so i never actually read these books i just like read about mark twain and was like oh yeah he's uh he did stuff um so I really don't know what any of this is based off. It could just be all bullshit and like he just wears a hat. So therefore he's Tom Sawyer. But um, yeah, I, I guess I'm not the target demographic or ever was. Yeah, I also never read never read this in school or anything. So 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 I'm not super clear on it all either. I didn't think it was uh, I didn't think just from my my like general knowledge that it was like a fantastical story unless it is about his like imagination or whatever i, I don't that's know what, i don't want to make myself stupid expect, by right? talking about tom sawyer uh yeah. and not knowing what i'm talking about but um but i don't know I, I i i was thinking the same thing i was wondering like why would they choose like literary characters for their video games and i mean another option could be that maybe it's just like okay here's a generation of people who don't know tom sawyer we don't have to create a character we already have some elements we can just we could just do it again. I mean, I think that works more with like movies, but like if you think about something like like Sherlock Holmes, like they're still you know they're still making Sherlock Holmes stuff now and like introducing a new generation to it. Not that I think that the Adventures of Tom Sawyer for the NES was like a great way to introduce a new generation to <laughs> the uh, material. Yeah, we need like a dark and gritty reboot about Tom <laughs> Sawyer, like uh, the imaginations of like Gen Z kids or something. Right. Right. And the Adventures of Tom Sawyer, the video game, is not really, like, the book other than you're Tom Sawyer and I, I guess, like, you're still, um, I, I forget the name of the girl. Somebody who read the manual would remember. Becky. But, like, you're going to Becky save something. her. Okay, yeah, you're going to save her. So, like. So, that's the historic love interest of Tom Sawyer. Well, it's Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, right? Which, technically, you can play as Huckleberry Finn, too, if you're the second player. I think, you know, that's a yeah, nice touch. I read that. I didn't do that, but is Huckleberry Finn like a an imaginary friend of Tom Sawyer? Does anybody know? I was just hoping we wouldn't talk about the book again, so I don't have to seem ignorant anymore. I haven't thought about the book since eighth grade, and I kind of don't want to. Uh, so, Mike, you read it. it? Yeah, well, I did read it, um, but you know, I mostly I remember the uh, the painting the picket fences. I oh. don't remember fighting the giant octopus in chapter one, <laughs> uh, which is something that happens in the game. Yes, yes. Well, uh, you know, yeah. but this is a platforming game, uh, again, where you play as Tom Sawyer, and if you're player two, you play as Huckleberry Finn, and you travel through just six levels, but they're pretty, um, uh, you know, giant in size. And uh, Tom Sawyer 
is, you know, from the cutscene that we get in the beginning of the game, he's in, like, school or something, and he's dreaming. And in this dream, he has to save, uh, as Sean mentioned, Becky from Injun Joe, which I think I'm allowed to say because that's the character's name. I I think you're allowed to say it. Yeah, yeah, I know it's not the best, but this is what we got to deal with. This is the material we've been given. And, uh, yeah, so you're going to travel in this platforming game through six, uh, six stages to get to rescue her. I'm not quite sure what sets Tom Sawyer apart from other platforming games. So, Joe, Sean, is there anything specifically that you want to call out in regards to being or controlling Tom Sawyer? I'll um, say that... Yeah, go, Joe. I'll say I was pretty surprised, maybe just because of my like extremely low expectations for a game about the adventures of Tom Sawyer, that it it's... It controls really nicely as a platformer on the NES. Like it's kind of how before we started this whole uh, this whole nostalgia experiment, kind of how I expected most NES games to control. Um, it you know it's no it's no Super Mario Brothers, but it feels good in a way that even like some games that we that we rate really highly don't don't feel as good to control for the most part. It's not without its control like um, fluidity flaws, but but I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Um, I think it's got a a relatively intuitive like physics system. Like, obviously, there's no physics system, but when I say that, I just mean like, does the jump feel like something that you can do? And um, it's not as expressive as um as a Mario game, but it, it at least like allows for some wiggle room. Like, there is some post jump input, and but like. This is all very like nitty gritty. I I don't I don't think like the the uh, controls of this game were particularly great, but I think that's sort of what you're saying is just like it was passable, um, because that's really it's really like all there is going on in terms of like the platforming levels of this game. And you're kind of like Mario with the fire flower at all times, right? Like, you have this... Uh, I guess you're throwing rocks at first, and then you have the ability to get the slingshot. Um, but unlike Mario's fire flower, the arc of these rock throws seems to be purposefully uh, designed to go around the enemies unless you, like, hit them in the perfect spot. There's something about the the arch, you know, of, of the way they throw that the enemy sprites are either, like, small enough that they, uh, they'll go over them, or they, like, fly in an area where it won't be able to quite hit them unless you jump and time the hit as well. I, I found that to be a little interesting uh, of a control device. Instead of squashing enemies like how you would in Super Mario Brothers, you're, you're stuck with just having your rock um, to throw at these guys. The enemies just sort of appear very close to you, too, on screen. So there's not much of a, a warning. You kind of have to... This is another one of those games where... And we've had these early on, where you have to play a little cautiously if you want to live long just because you're not sure of the speed at which the enemies yeah. approach you once you do see them. Yeah, the the first... Uh, my, my first continue, and it wasn't really continue. I just had to restart the whole game, uh, lasted maybe, like, half of the first level. I just kept dying. Um but then I just realized, like, I have to play this game at a different pace than I'm used to. Um, and I was able to, you know, pretty handily continue on as long as I was playing a little bit slower. Yeah, it's not, it's not like, an overly difficult game. But it is, like, it does surprise you sometimes with with the enemies. Like, there, there's a lot of enemy variety. And they a lot of them do different things. Like even later in the game, suddenly an enemy will start doing something that you haven't seen done before coming at you at a different angle or at a different speed or circling you in a way where you have to think about how you're going to catch them. Because like you said, Mike, they're too close to you to, for you to hit them with the, with the regular rocks because of the arc of your throw, which could be seen as annoying and could also be seen as part of the game design of trying to, um, trying to really gauge how you're going to hit each of these enemies. And that would be a good thing, right? Like, if if the enemies constantly change, I mean, we don't see that in every game, right? A lot of times you're introduced to the different enemy types throughout the beginning of the game, and then they either just get stronger or um, or they have more health. You know, like, either they do more damage to you or they have more health to uh, retain more uh, damage from you. But in this game, the problem comes from the fact that there's a weird 
size to everything like and, and a weird control to everything that you that you are like with tom going up and down ladders there's this thing where like you almost think you're done climbing the ladder but if you don't if you aren't at the very tippy tippy top you fall all the way back down to the beginning and i can't help but feel like that's the actual problem it's not the enemies it's the way you move within the space that makes everything a little extra challenging for this game and if there was a way to fix that i don't know if it's like just making everything a little more zoomed out so you can have more screen real yeah, estate to uh, it, i think you know like just so this way you can see yourself and uh and see what's coming at you from further away i think that's like what super mario brothers does right like you always see the goombas just kind of slowly marching towards you they never just like pop up but there are things in super mario brothers that pop up like say piranha plants out of warp pipes like so there just has to be a balance and this game didn't exactly figure out that balance and, and made it more just about um the the actual traversal of the stages is the challenge rather than the types of enemies. Yeah. Well, to to sort of um help help kind of illustrate that too. One thing I noticed um if everybody's I, I'm assuming maybe not, but I'm assuming a lot of people in our audience have played Super Mario Brothers 3. And if you remember in that game there are so. the cheap cheaps. Or any Super Mario Bros. games, but they're the cheap cheaps. There are some levels, the cheap cheaps are the little fish that jump out of the water. There are some levels where they just, when you hit a certain spot on, on you know, the, pl- the platform you're on, a fish will jump out of the water in your direction at you. And it's pretty well designed. Something very similar, almost exactly the same idea is in this game. A fish that jumps out of the water at you. But it jumps out of the water literally like at the pixel you're already standing on. Or that you're jumping towards. And there's no avoiding it unless you, unless you like timidly jump a little bit forward and then land back where you started like for every jump to see where it's coming from because you don't know where they're coming from so it's like it's like yes they had like the, that good that good idea there but it was implemented in a way where it's like just not player friendly it, it makes it so like avoiding it is is possible but not fun it's just like a chore to like test every step you know that's one little tiny sp- part of this game but um but you know i think that that really is where i felt the most of what what you're talking about yeah, I, I, I get, um, so one thing about the enemies in this game is a lot of them are based on player input, and I don't really know if it's like a a one-to-one thing, but even in the first level, uh, one of the standard mobs is like a, like a pirate dude, and it will react to when you throw a rock, and it will dodge the rock, and part of that is cool, like it's, it's cool to see that kind of dynamic, um, response to you and it's not just like an enemy that's walking towards you uh single-mindedly um but other like other parts of that it's it's just kind of annoying because it 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 feels cheap because it's just reading your inputs and um i don't know if it's if it's good or bad but um there were those aspects to these enemies it seemed um in the standard levels and even in the uh like the raft levels so um it's it's kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, I, I was I had mixed feelings about that specific enemy too. But the the part of me that liked it just to play devil's advocate was because it it does make you know, it, it feels different than all the other enemies that you're running into, and it makes like that enemy encounter feel like a moment every time. You know, it makes it feel like, okay, I gotta think about yeah. how I can you know, he's gonna jump so I gotta jump or or I gotta wait until he lands and be far enough away from him. Um so, like, I liked that element of it, but yeah, it is sort of, I don't know, counterintuitive at times. And Sean, you mentioned the raft stage, which, um, you know, that's not a platforming thing. The game almost becomes a shmup where you now throw your rocks, almost, yeah, uh, like guns. You know, like you're shooting it, you're shooting your rocks out of a gun or something, and you're going on this raft. And there's something really interesting here, though, with the level design, where as Tom Sawyer, you have this, you know, who cares if it's unrealistic or not? You have this very large jump that doesn't sync with the raft below yeah. you, but you still have freedom of your jump in the air, so that even if your raft is being like pulled in a specific direction or you're not quite lined up with it you still get a chance to do that and i almost wonder like that's a game in itself and it's only used for one level like it's it's never called back to there's no other additional like bonus modes in this game why why do you think they did that 
So that, that, that's that's one of the most interesting parts of this game is that because like by all measures this I don't know if we've really um made it clear with how we're talking about it so far but like a lot of this game is kind of ho hum like oh this is just one of those 700 games in the NES but you can tell that they're trying things whether it's the uh enemy design or uh the 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 platforming or this sort of uh, th- this raft game design. Um, they are trying things, and it, and the fact that they had it so that you are you're 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 part of this. You're riding this raft, and you have to jump. Like there are parts that you just just have to. Um, and it's sort of like a complex, a relatively com complex uh uh mechanic where. It's going to just continue with momentum of however you left the raft going when you jumped, and you now have to avoid whatever obstacle you were trying to avoid while also landing on uh, the raft. And it, th- that is engaging, and that is cool, um, but it just happened so infrequently. It was just that one level, for the most part, that you have to worry about it. Um, but like I, that was probably one of the most engaging parts of the game for me was like um now i have to do these things at the same time um i i I don't really know how to how to describe it beyond that uh but i I like that do you guys like that (laughs) yeah i I thought that was that was a great you know and i i thought a similar thing about some of the other levels as well but not to the extent of um of this raft level that that it was a great like format change and it was something we haven't seen before it made me think differently about it and it was it was pretty fun and and, you know i gotta say i i I think that your description of it being um just another one of the 700 games on the nes is like the perfect way to articulate what this game is for me um but i will say with things like this raft thing i I think it 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 blends into all like yeah that list of all those other games like that but it does feel at least to me above average because of its because of its ambition and like trying new things and not just getting like not just getting doing the same thing over and over again adding like a raft level yes i would have liked more of those but having the enemy variety and all that stuff it was it was kind of cool to me i mean yeah but i do think there's a difference though between like a a game trying a lot of different things or or feeling of progression and then also like making sure that those things work well so i i feel like a lot of the the things that this game introduces either don't matter because they can be cheesed or they um, they become frustrating uh, because of their design development. Like, oh, I absolutely. think about the boss. Yeah, you know, the boss fights are something that's like... I accidentally cheesed these boss fights. Right, right. You don't, even, you don't even know you're doing it, but like that octopus one we keep talking about, it's just the first boss. There's other cool bosses too, like a giant water dragon and a gorilla... <laughs> But, like, the the octopus, just as an example, if you just constantly fire at it, before it ever shoots its first attack at you, you win. it will die. Yeah. That, I, that thing attacks? I didn't even know it, it attacked. Attack. I thought it was, like, thought it was yeah. like teaching you what boss battles are. <laughs> I didn't right. even know and, I had an attack. But that could have been an exciting thing. That could have been an exciting moment for the game and, and a nice boss fight where you have to, like, dodge the tentacles or something and hit the weak spots. But it doesn't do that. And yet there are other elements of this game that whether through like platform trickery or through um you know the way enemies appear on screen it it, it becomes a, a harder game than it has to be it's almost like the the game isn't balanced in a way where like any particular level of this game isn't challenging but there are challenging moments in each level that just become confusing yeah. like, wait why is this the hard part yeah and like well, when you say that, that there's a difference between seeing interesting ideas or, or new ideas and and how they execute like th- that that's basically like that's the story of this game is that like i i can tell that they're trying to do something something that isn't like because this is a thomas sawyer game and no it's not like a big franchise like they're just making a game and trying to make parts of it unique um so i see that and and i and i give them credit for that but like yeah it's it's obviously the execution is flawed and that I think most games that aren't just straight cash grabs, we can we can see something like that. 
and it's just odd seeing it in something that is so what I imagine is so like laser focused and just like this is just a game we're gonna try and sell to parents as like a as an edutainment thing, and then the game is just nonsense about dragons and sh- throwing rocks. Like it just it just like a it it uh it illustrates the history of NES shovelware. And I'm not saying this game is shovelware, but it may as well be with how... Yeah, no. Yeah. Like, go ahead. I get exactly what yeah. you're saying because um, the, it's almost like, the you know, the assignment from the publisher was clear, right? Like, oh, we want to take the Tom Sawyer, like, book and make it into a video game. And then you just get a couple of guys who know how to put together a game, almost like tag team in, you know, be like, all right, cool. You did your 30 minutes of programming. In, now Brian. it's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you just like take either the elements or whatever. And I, Joe, I'm sure you'll disagree, but I, I don't mean that like 100%. I just think like at times, not that the game feels bipolar, but it, it feels uneven in, in its own difficulty. There are times in this game, even in later levels where you could just avoid everything and keep making forward progress and you have, you know, you only have like your health as it is. Like there's no extra health bars or anything to cheese it, but you don't have to make contact with much. And then there's other moments in this game where all of a sudden there's like eight enemies and now you're, um, you're flying on a balloon <laughs> and you have to dodge thunderclouds that are shooting, uh, you know, bolts of lightning at you. And it's just like, when did this, when did this take over? Like, I don't, <laughs> I didn't expect this to just happen. Well, so I don't fully disagree, but but I, I it does seem like I have a higher opinion on the game overall than than you guys might. Um, but I, I'll say that like for what's I think part of it is because of my expectations going into it, because of what you're talking about this being a a Tom Sawyer game that someone just said like okay, let's just try and try and see if we can um, if we can get this out there. But to me, it seems clear that like almost against the odds, somebody who developed this game really cared about it. Like, we've had so many games on the NES that just kind of like, okay, they just put it out there. This feels like someone was like, oh, I really want, like, someone had some ideas and someone was passionate about it, which is what surprised me the most. Like, it, it feels like they 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 put the effort into making the game feel good. They put the effort into making this enemy variety. I mean, literally every stage has, like, totally different enemies and totally different, like, ways about it. And there's Structure, no, there's no yeah. stage in particular to me that feels bad or just thrown in there i i think that you know the flaws that that we're talking about like uh, they, they they just come up throughout a little bit and i and i even think some of them i mean I'm, i think i have a higher opinion on some of these things we're calling flaws than you guys do too because i i didn't hate the enemy placement other than really that one the only one i can think of is the one that i mentioned the with the fish like some <laughs> of it was definitely not like no no i don't perfect game placement. design but like what's that I don't hate the enemy placement. It 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 was more so just like, no. I'm sorry. Finish your thought. That's right. Yeah, I, I, placement was maybe the wrong word. But with what you guys are talking about, where it's like, yeah, the the the, the AI being a little cheap sometimes, or like, I know that there are times where like an enemy just comes at you, and like if you if you didn't think about it ahead of time, you're kind of screwed. Which would suck if it didn't. Like I felt like I sort of learned that stuff pretty early on. Whenever I met a new enemy, and then when I saw them again. I at least had the the knowledge to to like figure out like what I should have done, even if sometimes I didn't do it and died. I could still be like, well, okay, I, I guess I screwed that up and I should have done something else. Um, I, I'm not fully on in that camp either. Like, I, I definitely definitely think that 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 element of this game could have been buttoned up and improved, but it just didn't like it was nowhere near as bad as some other games that we've had where where like I think it was like uh, was it the Karate Kid or. One of those games. Yeah, Karate Kid like, has a lot of problems that I think, you're, you know, you're right. We're saying this game has those problems. It doesn't have that on that scale, but it is worth highlighting that the, there are yeah, some issues. But, but I, yeah, but I don't think that I've, I've been criticizing this game's enemy placement. I think I've, I've been, what, what I've been saying about this game is that a lot of it is cookie cutter, except for a lot of it, but it's all, n- n- none of it really makes it feel like a cohesive piece it's just like, oh, it, it does this thing, and that's new, but it only does that for a level. And like, oh, if these enemies like respond to you in a way, and sometimes it feels cheap, but otherwise, it it's actually like, it, it's kind of an interesting way to to, to build um, some enemy behaviors. Um, but it's only a few of them, and so 
a lot of it is just like, oh, it did this well, but it it was just it's just one piece of an otherwise like un and, and I've, I'm kind of like yeah, I, I telegraphing guess, yeah, you, my, you my don't, opinion. You don't but, take yeah. what you've learned and then like and then like have to improve it in the next level where it throws like the harder version of that at you or anything like that. Like it's just like it's just like six totally different things. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and like I was gonna save this for my my essential vote, but maybe this will like help clear up kind of how I'm feeling about it. Like like by the end of this, I felt personally like this was the first six levels of what would have been a pretty good game. Like like I felt like it was like well, there sh- I wanted more of this. I wanted like more levels like this later. Like you know like I felt like it was just like they had a bunch of ideas and they just put them all in here with no like. Yeah, no through line. Yeah, that is like, we haven't really touched upon it, but for something that's supposed to be based off of a literary, historic, uh, like, through line of American culture, this makes no sense. <laughs> and uh, I think even if I knew Tom Sawyer, this would make no sense. Does it make sense? Did anybody read this? We didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't read the manual, but I'll tell you, like, you know, just just from playing the game. No, it is it is a nonsensical adventure here where they just took, you know, the uh, the idea. First off, I don't feel like they put any personality traits of Tom Sawyer yeah. into his character, right? I mean, he just throws rocks, but give him a paintbrush, <laughs> give him a paintbrush as a weapon or something. I don't know. Yeah, isn't but, he like a con uh, man was, or something? Like, isn't what, that his thing? What'd you say? Isn't he like a con man? Yeah, he's a con man. I thought Tom be Sawyer like was just a little schoolboy that like did his homework, but also had some daydreams. And, and I... he should have been able to bribe the enemies with money. If you have enough cash, they won't attack you. Wow. Okay. <laughs> See, there, no, no, no. What I really mean though is, I just want to get back to my earlier point because I think this is a little bit of what Sean was saying, a little bit of what Joe was saying, is that this game didn't need to be these six levels. It, it definitely needed to be more fleshed out. But even if you broke up these levels a little more based on the design mechanics that we experience for mere moments of gameplay and instead flush those out as their own levels, similar to what happens with the raft, right? Like, if there was a whole level, not just 15 seconds, where you're riding a cloud... I could get on board with that. Yes, it's nonsensical, but aren't most of these NES games. I think that's a cooler idea is just just elongating your ideas and doing it the usual Nintendo approach where first you learn the new concept, then you introduce the enemies, then it gets a little harder, then you take on a boss. Like, if they would have done that for each moment of these games, rather than make these little sweet spots in each level yeah. where something cool happens, I think you would have gotten a better game. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so, so you guys, you guys hadn't looked through the manual, right? I, I skinned the back flat. Okay. Well, what I think is interesting about this manual is like, it, it just steps you through the entire game, which I know, like, okay, that sounds like a walk, oh, yeah, but no, it like steps that, you yeah. through, like, it steps you through, like, this is where your journey begins. Here are all the levels. Here are all the enemies in each of the levels. Great. And then, Here's like, the even ending ends. with like, yeah, like. Oh, also, there's this part, like the wake up Tom part. And it's, you know, it's like, it just tells you exactly, it, it's just, a, it's a text description of like the final scene of the game. Like, it's literally exactly what happens. It's very quirky. Like, it, it's, it's, it's strange because it puts it as a section as if it's like something that you're going to need guidance on. It's literally just a, <laughs> it's just an end screen with a, with a little, little cinematic image of Tom doing his thing and like realizing that was this a dream or was it not and it like tells <laughs> you that in the manual so i just felt like uh, something about this manual makes me feel like this is this would have been like i don't know a game designed for like little kids which it okay is it when you play joe, it this but... is also joe this is the moment where i was talking about a couple uh, episodes ago where like the manual lets you experience the full game, something you might not do in the game itself. So if you're a kid who's unfortunate enough to not be able to get past the sky level or even case. the haunted house level, get right? Better now you can go to the manual no, and find out how it ends. <laughs> we need to, we, we got we to teach these kids to get better at video games. Well, that that's another thing with with the manual. Like I do remember now, it like describes the. Like why you're fighting these? Not why you're fighting these bosses because they're all they're all nonsensical. But like it says that like oh you'll fight a giant gorilla that's made up of all of these other tiny monkeys, and then you see in the game 
all these tiny monkeys uh, get together into like a, a cheer pyramid and then they turn into a giant gorilla. And I'm like, like, why do I need, why do I need deep lore on why this, this, this gorilla exists? Like, why can't you just show the giant gorilla? I will buy a giant gorilla in the jungle. You don't have to describe to me that it's made up of these tinier monkeys that will coalesce into it. It doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. it makes well, it's less also, sense. <laughs> it's also funny because, like, in the game, it's very clear that that's how the gorilla appears. Yeah. But, like, it's just funny to me that in the manual, it has to say like it'll like this is how it appears. Like, I don't know. It's just funny because like you that's, don't need like, either of them though. Like, just have uh, a gorilla. Yeah, I guess, but like, you know, it's a it's a. <laughs> In the game, I get it. It's like a, it's just like a fun way that they wanted to design it. Like whatever, it's, it, it adds to the game's lore, regardless of what Tom Sawyer's lore is. <laughs> I just thought it was funny of like the manual to say like to like literally describe everything that happens in the game, not just the hints, but like here's all you can just read the manual and you you know the whole game. Yeah. And in the manual, they name the giant gorilla too, Sarudon. And I just think like in the prequel to the Adventures of Tom Sawyer video game. They'll give him his explanation for why he got that name. <laughs> Good stuff about the manual, Joe. I did not. I did not realize how entertaining this could be. It's a shame. It reminds me that you know the ex- the complete experience of playing these older games is literally like you have to have the full package. Like you have to look at the crazy box art and think about what they were trying to sell kids, right? Because so many kids just looked at the box art and thought that was the game. But most of the time the box arts don't even match up. Then you have the manual, which is something that you are supposed to read before you ever even play the game, but will probably read after you get stuck at a certain (laughs) point. Some people like to go in blind and then check it back. But like you're doing yourself a disservice like I just did here when you don't check all of these things out and like if you play with the sound off right so <laughs> you don't hear the music like yeah the music gets annoying but like it's part of the it's part of the whole design so even if you're only going to play these games nowadays for like 20 minutes or or an hour right it's like you owe it to yourself to get fully immersed in it for the little time that you have it yeah it's a good point On the sequels and spinoff side, um, I would be remiss to tell you that um, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn is a book that is a sequel to (laughs) The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, uh, which is not a video game, and I don't think it's ever been turned into a video game. However, there is another Tom Sawyer video game, and I believe it's the only other one of its kind. It is the Famicom-exclusive Squares Tom Sawyer. It's it's the company Square, Square, the RPG makers. Oh my god! But it but but it's called Squares Tom Sawyer. It's not just called Tom Sawyer. This has developed to be by Square. Nostalgia bite. I feel like oh, it, sure. it it might have to be. However, the game has never been translated into oh. English. Players control Tom Sawyer and his friends as they join the party. Uh, the you know the party being the party of role players such as Jim and Huck, and they each have RPG like stats. But there is no experience level up system. It's done just like Final Fantasy II, the game that Square made just before making uh, Square's Tom Sawyer. But right, um, but afterwards they would make Final Fantasy III. So this element has like the Final Fantasy II saga style of games, <laughs> where like you know if you take damage you get stronger. If wow. you use this weapon, you're better at this weapon. Um, the game features lots of different enemies and lots of different things that try to more or less stick to the story of the book a little closer than this game does. But it also features weird things like one particular enemy that can trigger the reset button on the player's controller, bringing them back to the title screen without saving. What? That's some Hideo <laughs> oh Kojima God. shit right there. Yeah, I mean, they were thinking about it all the way back then. In 2010, UGO, the site, ranked it as the fourth most racist video game in history. Racist? Yes, racist. And I will just tell you that uh, I saw one screenshot, which I will never uh, share on our Twitter. Oh, no. Uh, but the, the blackface is bad Ooh. in this game. Like, really bad. And Square ought to be ashamed of themselves <laughs> uh, for doing this. But at the same time, it's just like, why does this, why is, does this even exist? You think about all the games that are on your wish list of Square to make, right? And you never would think Tom Sawyer, an RPG on Tom Sawyer, would be one of the games. Yeah, when, when you said that, I thought this must have been like pre-Final Fantasy Square. But you're telling me that they made Final Fantasy 2, 
like, with, oh, like, we got all these, a, like, le- new a new lease on life. Let's make some fucking <laughs> Huckleberry shit. Yeah, they were like, oh, we got this new this new system that everyone's gonna love. Spoiler alert: that nobody really likes that system. Apparently, in Final <laughs> Fantasy Two, I've never played it, but um, but then they're like, oh, you know, how do we get the how do we get the you know the Tom Sawyer fans? Like we gotta we gotta adapt this for the Tom Sawyer fans. Very very strange, <laughs> especially because it only came out in Japan. So yeah. it's like yeah. was, to- was Here's Tom some Sawyer American a huge culture. Book? <laughs> For only Japan. Yeah, maybe they were like dodging copyright laws. Like we were like, oh, we don't have to pay this because we're, we're a Japanese company and this is American. Well, I feel company. like, I mean, it's, it's also, it's in the public. I think it's in the... It is. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is, too. Okay. I, think I, I mean, how do you think I got the first chapter of this book so easy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could be sued, actually. I didn't think about that. Mark, the I Mark Twain the estate. Chapter. I read only the first paragraph of the first chapter for what it's worth, and I cut it off mid That's under fair so. use, bro. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, that's really all I have, though, for the sequels and spinoffs. I just feel like if anybody ever wants to try and translate Square's Tom Sawyer, a lot of people in this world are probably looking for it. Itching um, for it. Now that we've mentioned it. Yeah, itching <laughs> it. We are itching to do one last thing on this show. Although we, that's not necessarily true because we do have a little fun thing after this as well, a little fun section to start the new year. So fun. But first, we've got to do the little thing that we call the Essential Games List. Sean, we're going to go first with you. All right. Um, yeah, I feel like everything that I've set up to this point uh, was foreshadowing um, that, again, like for a game that sounds like no one should ever play this or everyone will have forgotten about this game by now, like it is pleasantly surprising how well it plays. Like it's not, it's not unpolished, but it, it was just not a great idea in the first place if they weren't going to try and work into some story beats of Tom Sawyer or uh, or just have the levels like the game should have been a different genre I think if this this was like an adventure game in like the Goonies style or something it might make a bit more sense Um, but it did have some ideas and usually when I say that that means that they weren't executed well Um, but obviously this game is not essential it's it's Tom Sawyer. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll go next. Um, pretty much echoing a lot of what Sean said. But one thing that I, I would like to throw out there as a bone to the to the people who do like the Adventures of Tom Sawyer, the game, the super is fans. that like, yeah, you know. But like, this could be considered a game that you did not play during the original like time of owning an NES, and then you go back and you're looking for like another new platformer, and like. This makes that list, right, of a, a platforming game that you might not have heard of, and you try it out, and, like, I just don't think you're going to have a great time with it. That's the problem, is, like, yeah, it's offering up some some new stuff every now and again, and it's not, like, it's not a glitchy mess. It's not terribly hard. It, it is one of those games that you can probably beat if you just, like, keep with it, so... Yeah, like, it probably would wind up on at least a few people's hidden gems list. But I think to be an actual hidden gem, you don't just have to find a game that you never heard of that's, like, somewhat decent. A hidden gem is a a game that actually, like, is surprising because of the route it takes that other games did not take, you know? Um, Or how closely it follows other great games. I wouldn't think of any game on the essential games list that like also reminds me of adventures of tom sawyer we've referenced a few during this episode but mostly to talk about how tom sawyer executes those ideas poorly in comparison so i don't think it even gets like hidden gem status for me i think it just kind of gets like this video game was made and was sold under adventures of tom sawyer license It's on our official list of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our official list. I'll I'll create another section of the website <laughs> just for that. Joe, your thoughts? I thought that this game, I think, uh, first of all, I've, I've said it a couple times already, but my low expectations going in really helped color my, you know, the positive feelings I had about this game. I, I thought that it actually played pretty well, and, and I, I had some fun with it. I, I did. Um to, to talk about what I was saying before about the length, uh, I, I think that, you know, the way that you guys then address that, I, I agree with that it needs to, instead of doing a bunch of, a ton of small, interesting new things, 
focus on one for a little while. Let that become the game for a little bit. And I think that that's where I was kind of go, going, going with the idea of it being a longer game. Um, because I think you could have taken a lot of these things and, you know, again, to, to reference like Super Mario Brothers 3, you have, I think it's like the fourth level in that is like a sky level where you're jumping around on things in the sky. And then a few levels later, there's another one where it's a little harder. And then like later on in the game, there's more of those. And I feel like we could have done more of that. I would have liked a more challenging raft level now that I got the hang of it. And, you know, some of these other elements that come back in come later. I, like, I really feel like this is like just like a sampling of what could have been a much larger and, you know, game that could end up being considered a hidden gem. But it doesn't quite reach that. I, I see the the um, the idea that it is like sort of a shovelware thing. It sort of just it sort of just falls into like the background of all these other games like this we've played. And and I'll I'll say if you want to if you want to find like one of those random platformers, kind of like what you said, Mike, one of those random platformers that are that are just everywhere at the on the NES. This is a good choice, I think. If you want to find something that like you've probably never played and, and and no one really ever talks about, I think this is a good choice because it because it was still fun and it and it controlled well. Uh, it just it's just the whole thing is is weird, like like the its existence. Like if you if you if you separate it from its from its like connection to Tom Sawyer, maybe you're like oh, okay, like it's it's an interesting little experiment. If you if you then start considering that this is a Tom Sawyer game, you're probably like, what the, what is this? Why is this, you know, uh, granted I didn't read the book. Maybe this is exactly what the book is like. Maybe this is everything. Maybe, you know, there's, there's, they really were really faithful to it. But overall, rambling a little bit, but uh, not essential. I think I'll put it on my could have been a really good game list, but wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a great list that we will also make a whole nother section of the website for. Add that list. (laughs) Yeah. Now, you have to remember, I'm talking about the website because if you haven't been paying attention, it's back, baby. We got the website back thanks to the patrons over at uh, patreon.com slash nostalgia. Uh, Just contributing even a dollar a month will get you uh, a little special thank you on the thank you page, which is the homepage right now for the website. So if you ever wanted your name on the homepage of a website, similar to what Homer... Yeah, I think Homer Simpson did that like back in 2000. He was the uh, the front page of the internet or something like that before Reddit. Uh, you could you could also be oh, the front I thought page it was Kim Kardashian. The... Oh, there you go. Yeah, she broke the internet. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. We're going to break the internet though too because <laughs> the number of support that we have gotten is just uh, you know, we really want to thank everybody who's supported us so far and it's never too late to jump in too because at the $5 a month level you get access to Nostalgia Bites and our uh, first episode Nuts and Milk which uh, <laughs> I have to say like that every single time I'm always gonna uh, laugh that, yep, that game it, it's coming up soon that episode so if you want to see what Nostalgia Bites is all about remember it's a look through the Famicom library but with no Japanese language skills required we're playing the Famicom games that you can play without knowing anything um, without having eyes. No, that's not true. You need eyes. Um, you also need ears to hear the podcast. So I just feel like full disclosure. <laughs> One thing that we're going to do now that has nothing to do with giving us any kind of money or support or um, tweeting nice things at us is we're going to take a look at 2021 in an unfamiliar way for us. We are going to talk about each of us is going to give our favorite NES game that we played in 2021, according to the show, obviously. We can't go ahead. We can't skip. <laughs> and we're also going to talk about our favorite game of 2021, the one that's ca- the ones that came out in 2021. So, Sean, I don't know if it's a good or a bad idea, but I kind of want to start with you. It's a terrible <laughs> idea, Mike. I don't know. I don't know what you think I'm going to say, but um, no. I mean, for for the podcast, I think that the game that I I lo- I liked the most was uh, it's a pretty common answer i would say uh is like ninja gaiden that was just a a game that we all really appreciated and uh it was it was it was it was put together well and we had a lot of fun with it i don't really have much to say that wasn't said in the episode um but that's my answer for that but the more interesting answer since we don't really talk about this on the podcast is you know my favorite game that was released in 2021 um and i actually had to go back and look because i i'm really bad with with dates and like the time scales all messed up so um i looked back and i saw it was released recently and it's a game that i actually played 
pretty recently, and it's a it's a game called Forgotten City. Uh, this this game started out as I think like a Skyrim mod that was like a total conversion, and uh, like there was no Skyrim elements. It was just like you play this mod, and then uh, eventually I think that they got some kind of funding and they made their own game out of it. I think in a different engine, but basically. Uh, I'll give a little synopsis. You play a modern person that goes back in time to the to to like ancient Rome, and you enter this city that uh, they all have to follow these rules and not commit a sin, or else everybody dies. And it also it, it turns into like this Groundhog Day slash like Sherlock Holmes slash murder mystery thing where you're trying to figure out like the secret of this little town while also like fixing your past mistakes and I just really like the uh the the narrative structure of this game and the writing and the uh um the art and all that it's it's a lot of fun so if you're into that weird shit I'd give the forgotten city a try that was a very nice synopsis. Thank you for that, Sean. And what an interesting pick, too. I, I, I honestly have not heard anything about that, so I'm going to look into that for sure. Please. Um, and, you know, we'll put a link to it in the show notes, uh, absolutely. Uh, Joe, I'll save you a minute. I'm going to go first just because it seems to be that's the order of things that we're doing lately. Sean, me, Joe. So, real fast, my favorite NES game of 2021 that we played was Mega Man 2, and that's a surprising answer for me. I know it's not a surprising answer for NES fans or anything like that because it's one of the most popular NES games, but I was really surprised at the the step up from Mega Man 1 that Mega Man 2 was. It wasn't just like, you know, more creative enemies or a longer game, which both of those things it has, but it also figured out like some of the more difficult points that Mega Man 1 was doing and found a way to introduce uh, elements to make the game uh, not not easier, right? Because there is an easier mode in there, but it's just health is more frequently given out, and the new power-ups that they give you in terms of movement also help you navigate the platforming sections uh, a little more uniquely. And I know we said this all in the episode as well, so I don't want to go uh, too much further into it, but I was personally surprised because Mega Man 1 was definitely an essential game, and Mega Man 2 is a better essential game. So that says a lot about that particular game. Now, my favorite game of 2021, I have to be honest, I play a lot of retro games, uh, and retro games can mean whatever you want them to mean. For me, it just means like 10 years prior, so anything uh, like 2011 and backwards. Uh-oh. Uh, but, <laughs> but like, that's, that's, to, that's how retro games work, if you think about it, right? Like, anything that came out on the Wii is now retro. Well, hold on. I thought we were talking about games that came out in 2021. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying oh. is that I play a lot of these older games. I don't play too many 2021 games, but when I do play a game in 2021, I often find myself to be pretty frustrated <laughs> because I'm used to these shorter, um, more quality because I've been given the time to like let critic responses uh, set in mm-hmm. and, and the narrative, you know, the canon be set. I very rarely play bad games unless they're for nostalgia. You know, I mostly just play what... Um, what is considered like, you know, the greatest games of all time and stuff like that. So for 2021, I did play a few good games. And the one that I want to highlight is Metroid Dread. And uh, obviously, that's a safe pick because it was even nominated for Game of the Year and stuff like that. But what makes Metroid Dread interesting for me is it is not the highest point in the Metroid series, even for the the, the 2D style games. Uh, obviously, like Super Metroid and Metroid Fusion are like the top when it comes to that kind of style of game. But Metroid Dread reintroduce that feeling to me in a way I didn't think anybody other than Nintendo could. This was a Mercury Steam game, and it was surprising how close they got to the quality of of a game like Super Metroid, one of the greatest games of all time. So I would say, if you're at all on the fence about picking up Metroid Dread because you saw like that it's a little more survival horror-y, or <laughs> um, it's a little more like straightforward, that you can't, um, can't really uh, skip sequences and stuff like that, First off, neither one of those things is true, so that should help inform your opinion. But also, at the end of the day, it's just a great Metroid game that doesn't rely too much on new, unfamiliar mechanics, but just relies on the best things that Metroid is. So that's why I had a really good time with it, because it goes back to that idea that I mostly just play retro games anyway, and it reminded me how good those kinds of games are. Joe, your thoughts? 
All right, well, I'm going to go in the reverse order just because there's an interesting situation for my 2021 pick in that when I look through all the games that were released in 2021 or all the games that I played in 2021, none of them were released in 2020. I didn't play any <laughs> game that was released in 2021. Did not realize that until until tonight. But um, yeah, so so I had to kind of go back a little further. It's a little cheating. I went back to my most recent game before 2021 which was, uh, I think, in November of 2020, which was Spider-Man Miles Morales, um, which might feel kind of like cheating because because just any game that I played the most recently <laughs> to 2021 would, would, have to, would have to fit that category. But rest assured that I do love that game. It probably is my favorite game of 2020. So, uh, so you know, I, I had a blast with that. I love that and the... Um, the original 2018 Spider-Man PS4. I think that they really make you feel like Spider-Man. They 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 just let you um, I don't know really explore the city, which I haven't been to to Manhattan since the since the pandemic. So it was really interesting for me to like explore as Spider-Man where I used to be every day. You're just getting that um, no way home money right now. <laughs> exactly. Yes, and uh, <laughs> and you know I, I might have to repick up uh, this game after now after seeing uh, Spider Man No Way Home. I'm in the Spider Man spirit, so uh, you know I loved that game. Uh, as far as favorite game that we played in 2021 for the podcast, I know no one will be surprised by this, and I promise I'm not just trolling like I normally do. But it is Zelda 2, <laughs> uh, which made it in like kind of just under the wire, getting it early on in 2021, um, and. It, I just can't emphasize enough like how much fun I had with that game and how surprised I was because of the bad reputation it has. But uh that game felt like one of the closest to me to to being like a a modern experience. I mean obviously you could tell it's a it's still an NES game, but it felt like I was sitting down to start this whole campaign of of a story like I do today that you that you rarely find on the NES. And it and it gave me similar but like refreshingly different vibes to the original Legend of Zelda, which obviously is is way up there as well. Um, so I just can't get over how much I love that game and how it is not on the essential games list. I will uh, I will definitely bring it up in our best of uh, best of 1989. I'll do my best to try and convince you guys. Otherwise, I don't know if uh, I don't know if uh, if I can convince you guys to play it again or whatever. But you know, I I really want to try and get that on. All right, and of course, there's lots to look forward to in 2022 now that we're in in it. Um, there's many games coming out in 2022 that I know people are excited about, but there's also 51 more episodes of uh, NostalgiaCast happening in 2022, and that's something to be thankful for. In fact, there's a lot more episodes of NostalgiaCast to come if you think about Nostalgia Bites. You know, just throwing it out oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Nostalgia.